sports staff of the Holland Sentinel. This is From the Press Box. With your hosts, Brian Vernellis, Dan Diadonna, and Chris Zatarazny. Welcome back to From the Press Box, the Holland Sentinel Sports Staff Podcast. I am sports editor Dan Diadonna, alongside assistant sports editor Chris Zatarazny. And we're here to talk football and anything in between uh, at this, uh, this edition. Uh, we've got a lot of football to get into. Uh, we've got high school matchups and picks to talk about. We've got um, some college football to talk about, a little college volleyball. But, I mean, the one thing we just can't stop talking about is the Detroit Lions. They have once again managed to uh, baffle us all, which to me is doubly baffling. Why are we baffled by them being baffled? By be- this them is, being this baffling. is normal. See, I can't even say <laughs> it. Yeah, But they, um, they beat the New England Patriots on Sunday night, and they didn't just beat them they completely dominated that game every fashion of the game and it was it was incredible to watch um and of course uh the big storyline was uh coach patricia getting the win over uh his mentor bill belichick and first win by the way yeah and then that's his first win of his head coaching career uh, i doubt he will ever forget that one but after playing so bad against the jets and playing so so against the 49ers they dominated the perennial super bowl champions um it's one of those things we t- i mean we talked about this a little bit last week heading into this is that these are the and i think i said it on this podcast these are the kind of games that the lions win yeah they win the prime time especially prime time games that they are have no shot in. yeah uh but then we all know on the flip side as we saw in week one the games that they're supposed to win on prime time or anytime else, seemingly, they don't. So this is one of those wins that could turn around their season. Of course, we say that every year about the Lions. Yeah. I'm not optimistic about that. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm just shocked that they actually won and dominated the game. Yeah. I mean, Still. so let's let's break it down a little bit. I mean, obviously, Stafford played better it's not all on him i mean he did not play well against the jets but he he played much better and the offense moved the ball they had a running game yes i said it a running game it's crazy uh what was it first time in five years they've had 70 games that they've had a running back rush for 100 yards in a game meanwhile every good high school running back ever seems to do that now um and college and whatever um do you remember that monday night game that i was talking about last week against dallas where barry sanders i think had 300 yards rushing? oh you know just another game for I mean, him. like but we've just to get 100 a 100 yard rusher it's just i mean honestly 100 yards doesn't mean anything if you win with 90 or lose with 150 the actual number doesn't mean anything yep. but it's the fact that they were able to establish the run against a team like the patriots which balanced and kept them off balance so Matthew Stafford could actually work instead of having everyone blitz him every down. Right. It was it was crazy. I mean, what what was there anything else that stuck out offensively for them? <sighs> for the Patriots or for the Lions? No, for the I Lions. Mean, for the Patriots, not much. But for the Lions, I think it was the offensive line. They played fantastic. They created holes for Johnson and LeGarrette Blunt that they were able to run right past that Patriots defense. And I think that's where it starts and where it needs to start for the Lions. When is the last time anyone said that? 
Well, wow, I've, ne- I've never said great. that. I can tell you that. I've never said that in my life. Right. <laughs> yeah, you were too young back when they had a good offensive line when they went to the NFC Championship game. It, it showed in that game, and there, there's replays that showed how good that offensive line was for the Lions. And then on the flip side, defensively, I'm trying not to get so positive about the Lions, even though they won big. The Patriots were missing three or four key guys on defense that were injured. And a couple were linebackers and a couple were on the line. There may have been a safety that was injured as well. So take that into consideration where they weren't as at full strength as they probably should have been. But still, the Lions dominated. Yeah, And it was the offensive line that helped that. Right. And to me, even more impressive, you can even factoring all of those injuries and whatever else in for the Patriots, that you flip that around. That shows you how much the Lions defense was impressive. Oh yeah. Because they didn't I mean they didn't have their new receiver, but that was something they didn't have that wasn't planned on going into that game anyway. Um but the defense swarmed to the football. They got yeah. places. They anticipated. They understood the game plan and executed a game plan. They got to Brady. They got Two to the running games. I mean the running game was really they shut that down and how many I mean, and all the all the sacks, rushes, hurries, whatever, the coverage was unbelievable. Yep. I can't remember the last time I said that either. I agree. Darius uh, Slay had a pick. He picked off Tom Brady. I mean, the two biggest, if, if you think about draft, the way that the Lions have needed to draft, we're not going to go into the, you know, 10 wide receivers they picked in a row or whatever, but, but when you think about their biggest weaknesses since that NFC championship team not that uh nfc championship game team with barry sanders in uh 91 and 92 they since then their biggest needs have been the offensive line and the secondary yeah we went through the nine the late 90s and early 2000s they couldn't cover anybody anybody you had that one year where dre bly had a bunch of interceptions but nobody else could cover anybody you and then the offensive line you get you know they they're always need an offensive line they they draft Bacchus and he's not quite as good you know as they as they anticipated he they draft Aaron Gibson out of Wisconsin who was like the best tackle ever and he's hurt and then that's it you know like he just he barely played for the Lions they 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 have needed offensive linemen and secondary as their number one concerns in the draft pretty much Every year, yeah, except uh, maybe the year, the first wide receiver year where they picked Roy Williams, <laughs> they needed a receiver <laughs> that year. Yeah, but they've always needed that. And when they picked Stafford, obviously, um, they didn't even technically need a receiver when they picked Calvin Johnson, although that was the right pick. But this, they, they always need this. They never have games like this. And now we have a game where they both of their biggest weaknesses were their biggest strengths in the game, which is just stunning. And I agree, I can never get optimistic about the Lions. I can only move up from indifferent to even keel, which is somehow a little bit different than (laughs) indifferent. But, (laughs) but, But they have me, this game has me cautiously optimistic. Now, I'm not talking about optimistic, they're gonna win the division. I'm talking about optimistic that now, even with a tough schedule and how they started, they might 
have an outside shot of making the playoffs. Now that's still stinks that after a win like this, that's my ceiling. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like yep. but that's but that is where that is where we're at with them. I'm, I'm with you. I I I'm cautiously optimistic as well. What really I think intrigued me about this game in terms of looking at the box score, the defense, Lions defense only allowed twelve Patriots first downs. They were up thirteen nothing at the half. If you had told me that they had the ball, the Patriots had the ball for like four and a half minutes for the first half alone, I would have believed you because it would have been like 21, 28 nothing at the halftime for, right. for the Patriots. But instead, it was the Lions up 13 nothing, And that, I think, shows how good that defense was in that game. Yeah. And yes, I'm cautiously optimistic. I still don't think they'll make the playoffs. I think this is a good starting point to see, hey, where we're at, where we need to fix ourselves and, and fix each other, right. make those corrections and kind of move forward. I think... This week is going to be big for them. They're playing the Cowboys. Cowboys are a little down this week. They're down this year. That was a bad week for them. Um, Dak Prescott is not playing well at all. And if they lose to the Cowboys, this win will mean absolutely nothing. Absolutely. Absolutely. If they win, it's another step forward. So I think this next week for them is, is going to be the real test on how you come back, how you bounce off of a win. If for you can sure. Do that. And we got and we got to also remember we are, we're dealing with a new coach and some new scheme stuff too. So this is... Week three, this was week three now of them, you know, getting... I mean, I don't think they played awful against the 49ers. And also, on paper, that was not necessarily one game that the Lions, you would circle and say, they should win that game. That was kind of a 50-50 game, and it ended up being kind of a 50-50 score. Yep. Um, but you circled going, well, the Lions should be 1-0 and when they're playing the Jets. Absolutely. Hosting them on Monday night. And that was that was... Hopefully the low point of the season. Hopefully there's not a lower point than that. Um, but that yeah, they need to build, be able to build on this. And but since they now know what they need to do, Coach Patricia has had a win now. There's not that kind of pressure, and they played so well in so many facets of the game. That is what makes me cautiously optimistic. I mean, we've had years past. They always seem to beat somebody that they shouldn't. But a lot of times it's because they have a punt return for a touchdown yep. or a pick six or something that there. It's it's still an upset kind of victory. This was not an upset kind of victory. They dominated this game, right? And to me, that's what's a little bit different from past big games oh, yeah, easily. like this than they've won. Yeah. So that is what has me cautiously optimistic. If it was a game that was pretty even in a defensive battle and they won on a blocked punt, I would not be cautiously optimistic. I would chalk up. To I would. Luck. It would be the same. I would be indifferent. Yeah. Yep. Um, and but to be honest with you, I'm sick of being indifferent. Me too. Uh, like, but I can't. My whole life. I can't not be <laughs> indifferent. Lions. Yeah. Um. So anyway, all right. And then uh, also in the NFL, while the Lions played probably their best game in years, it was one of the worst games for Kirk Cousins. Um. He had an interception, two fumbles, and they lost to the Bills, and it was the the biggest or the second time a team favored by 17 points has lost in like the last 25 years or something like that um which is not a kind of number you want to be around now of course though that is dealing with you know quote experts spreads you know and whatever else like that but anyway you slice it it was an awful game for cousins and and the vikings i mean they did not give him enough um, protection and when he got hit the ball came loose a couple times and 
you know, and he threw a pick. I mean, they, they just they looked disheveled. And Buffalo came out and just took that momentum and ran with it. And Buffalo looked very impressive. Um, so I, I would say, again, that, you know, nothing to be super alarmed about as far as Cousins or the Vikings. They're, you know, they're obviously a good team and they played poorly. That happens to teams. Ask the New England Patriots. And, you know, every good quarterback, Stafford had a game like this in game one. Uh, you know, this happens. Not, I mean, even the best quarterbacks in the world have one or two games a year like this um, where it just, uh, you know, nothing can go right. And then you learn from it and, and everything. But it was still really, really strange to see. Yeah, especially after coming off of a great comeback tie, which could have been, right. been a win last week, uh, two weeks ago, I should say now, for, for Cousins. The real test now is coming from Thursday. They're playing the L.A. Rams. I mean, yeah. the Rams are a favorite in the NFC. Right. And Maybe it's a short turnaround. Yeah. Thursday. Being the Thursday so game. this is going to be a really tough test. How is he going to bounce back? How are the Vikings going to bounce back? This will be a, a telling game to see. Is a fluke. It happens. Moving on. That's what good teams do. Right. And I, I, I would say that, in my opinion, the Vikings are a good team. And I yeah. think they will. That doesn't necessarily mean they'll win the game. But I, I would fully expect them to bounce back and play well on Thursday. Um, that is a tough turnaround, though. And it could be one of the better games of the weekend. And it's got to be on a Thursday, of course. Of course. Where fans won't be able to see it unless you have NFL Network, which is right. unfortunate because you have two teams which are considered favorites in the NFC on pay-per-view pretty much. Which right. Is unfortunate. That, that's a bummer, yeah. All right, and let's move on. We'll move on to the college football scene. Um, Michigan, Michigan State, both won. And we were talking about this earlier. Michigan, Michigan State, Central, Western, and the Lions all won in the same weekend. Um no idea when that interesting. happened last. Interesting, yeah, that's just, it's an interesting thing. Um, we'll start with actually we'll start over with Grand Valley here for a second, and uh, yeah, uh, Bart Williams had another huge game, five touchdowns um, in their big win against Michigan Tech on Saturday, and he became the all-time passing touchdowns leader in Grand Valley history, uh, moving ahead of Kurt Ains, who was uh, you know part of their national championship teams, and it's just. I mean, looking back, I was here when some of those national championship teams were in the in the works. Uh, it is uh, it's very interesting. It's very interesting to see um, anyone break those records. Really, I mean, like, one hundred eighteen, by the way, right? One hundred eighteen. Yeah. I mean, he, Ains was great. He ended up getting signed by the Lions. You know, it was a backup for them for a little bit. Um, he then Cullen Fennerty played great he did a little more running too so he's got you know some of the records as far as total yardage goes and still yeah and, and in total touchdowns and, and Bart all that Williams, kind of stuff. he's in second place in passing yards 23 behind Finnerty, which, yeah, which, which he'll pass this week and it's just incredible to see i would have never expected that um but yeah bart williams has been playing really really great and he, i mean he's got grand valley right you know right in the thick of things again and uh this could be the year that he finally wins the national championship if he keeps playing like this yeah um let's we'll move shift gears to michigan michigan state i'm gonna start with michigan state yeah uh beat indiana wasn't very impressive though but they had their trickery they did they their did. trickery was great that's great to see i i always love that that makes football fun and at, those are the little things that can inspire teams you know and i think that that was important for them to kind of implement that a little bit yeah they haven't looked great um 
but uh, you know, it's still a very important important victory for them uh, moving forward. I mean, we're we're you know we're counting down the weeks now to Michigan Michigan State, and yes. uh, this is you know the, every game counts now, especially after you know each team has lost a little bit. And uh, yeah, Michigan State didn't their defense looked okay, their offense looked okay. The fourth quarter was an issue for me. I mean, you can't give up a field goal, a touchdown, a field goal, and win. With a late touchdown just to secure the win. I mean, right. you've got to have a solid fourth quarter if you're going to be a team that's competing for a Big Ten title. Yeah. And they didn't They didn't have that. They right. almost lost. They, and they I could have lost it. And I don't really think at this point either one of the Michigan oh, or Michigan State is in that position. Um, so, yeah, it was just – it was one of those, okay, like you expected Michigan State to win. Yes. But, no, you know, knowing that you went, they had to win it at the end, you just kind of go, okay. Oh, Okay, but here's the thing with them. They've always kind of done that over the past couple of years, where they're gonna they're gonna win, but it's gonna be a closer game. Right. While Michigan either has a blowout win or it's a close win, maybe, a, and then it's a loss. They rarely have a close win, to be honest. I mean, there's been a last time Michigan. It's not it's not been that many, but it's it's just a different mindset where Michigan might win big, usually wins big, and then Michigan State and, wins close, but they're the better team because they're winning close. Right. I That's mean, you have to winning close prepares you differently Absolutely. mentally. Yeah. So, all right, Michigan. Well, they're playing Northwestern this week, and uh, a shocking news out of Northwestern. Their uh, running back uh, just retired uh, the other day. <laughs> I can't think of his name, Larkin. Yeah. I think it's Jeremy Larkin. He uh, had something with his spine, and a spine issue. That's a good uh, reason to retire. And it is not life-threatening, but he's, he had to retire because he couldn't play football anymore. It would, it would damage him if he did play football. So it's really unfortunate to see someone lose their career uh, in football they love so much. Uh, because of a, a possible left hand injury, but he made the right choice. Um, for me, Michigan wins this game now. They've got a running back situation where they don't know what they have. Uh, sure. Western Michigan looks pretty good right now. And they now. just crushed Nebraska. Yeah. I mean, Nebraska looked not good. Yeah. A little extra sweet for Michigan fans with Scott Frost being yes. the coach and him being on that split national championship That's team right. and everything like That's that. Right. Um, yeah, it was it was a dominant win. I mean, it was thirty nine to like nothing in the first half or something yeah, like that. It was. It crazy. was I, I turned it off after the first quarter because it was. I was like, all right, well, this game's over. Right. I don't need to watch this anymore. Yeah. It's not entertaining. Anymore. It wasn't. It wasn't very entertaining. It, it's I like mean, watching a D one team play on D three team, and that's that's not like insulting to Nebraska. They they were just bad. Like they just not they just not, they did not play well, and Michigan played great. So uh, yeah, we'll see what happens now. Yeah. Michigan goes to the road. They've always had a tough time on the road, and Northwestern is not ranked. They're one and two. Michigan's three and one. So it's, these are the danger games. Yeah, though. these are the dangerous games. So we'll see yeah. what happens. I think Michigan wins, but I think it's going to be closer than what everyone thinks. All right, and moving on to Hope College football. They did not play on Saturday. They had a bye week as they prepare for Trine, who's ranked seventeen, fifteen. 16, uh, they were last 17. ranked sixteenth, and I'll check again to see where they're at if they've moved up after last week. Now. Before I let Chris break this game down, I want to remind everyone how rare it is that an MIAA team is ranked. This rarely happens. Trine has been the only MIAA team ranked in the past 15 years. And they're 16. And they're ranked 16. And that just doesn't happen um, for the MIAA. And we've talked about the the reasons why a lot of the time uh, Michigan has so many GLIAC schools that... A lot of kids go D2 instead of going D3, whereas Wisconsin, Ohio, and some of these other places that have the big powerhouses in Division Three, you know, they, that's kind of the route that everyone goes. Um, but uh, but how how big is this game, Chris? Well, it's 
you can't understate how big this game is. You can't. It's it's impossible. This game will mean everything to Hope. This is their championship game. This is an MIAA championship game. No matter what, these are the top two teams in the conference. And Hope went down there last year and got crushed. They got absolutely crushed, fifty-two to six. It was, and they had no shot in that game after the first quarter. And that's where this game starts at this weekend. It's a five o'clock start, so it's a bit of a different start from what they've had. They've been at a 1 o'clock, I think there's been a 1 7 o'clock start, or a 2 o'clock start in there. Kind of afternoon. This is late afternoon, late, early evening. In all three games this year for trying, they have outscored their opponents 40 to nothing in the first quarter alone. So that's where it starts for Hope. They need to start strong in that first quarter. That offense needs to be incredibly efficient, and that defense needs to be strong up front. And I know that they have been very good over the past three games, even after the last bye week. They probably worked on that. They probably need to work on that. But this is where it starts. The second quarter for trying, they've outscored their opponents 42-20. So that's where they've kind of been a bit eh, iffy. And the, the fourth quarter for them, uh, they've outscored opponents 21 nothing. So it's kind of the middle where trying's been shaky and the ends have been strong. But not really shaky, though. If you're talking not, about three games, 20 points, that's exactly. a touchdown a game. Yeah, it's not that bad. So hope will need to be strong right yeah. right from the right from the start right from kickoff. Yeah. If they aren't, they're going to be in a hole very fast. Yeah, that's that's the key. Now they they're coming off a couple of wins over inferior teams, but it's allowed their offense and defense to kind of get clicking. Yeah. Um and then ha- having the bye week too. I don't I never know with teams having the bye week right before trying is it great because you get two whole weeks to prepare for this? Or is it tough because there's some ebbs and flows in a bye week? You know, I have yeah. no idea. And I think it doesn't, you can't even, it depends on the team on uh, every team every season. Yeah. It just kind of depends on how, what happens. But um, it, it should be a very interesting game. And being here, I would say that if this was at Trine, I would say it would be very tough for Hope to win. We've seen how they, how Trine has played at home recently. And, uh, I mean, this is what Hope is trying to build, what Trine has right now, a team that can win and compete in the playoffs. And this is their chance to show that they can do that. Um, they will you know, have achieved that point if they can beat a ranked team right now. Um, and they have every chance of doing so. I mean, yeah. this, I'm not counting them out of this game. They're obviously going to be the underdog even at home. Um, but this, their defense has played really well and if they can at least slow the scoring down and get some scoring themselves McClujak back helps a ton uh gives a lot of different options so um yeah it's a pretty big pretty big game for them here's they're gonna have to stop one one player i mean a lot of players but one player in particular from trying uh who got him last year i think at least three or four touchdowns in last year's game lamar carswell he is a beast of running back he is he's very strong he'll run you over i mean he, he just bowls guys over in three games, he's had 61 carries for 536 yards and eight touchdowns. His longest was that's an 80, 81, <laughs> 81 yard carry was his longest touchdown. Wow! Um, so that's going to be a very, that run that run game for trying is dominant. They are really good at that. If Hope can stop the run game, they have a chance. And their defensive line has been playing really good. Yes. And so. on the flip side, Hope has an interesting run game going on because you got McClusiak back two weeks ago. He played really well. You got Vinny Pelion. Vinny Pelion, excuse me. A uh, sophomore running back and Kenya Houston, a freshman running back, all have over a hundred yards rushing. And then Mason Oppel can have the ball as well. well. Yeah, he has over two hundred yards rushing. So you have a, a, a run game by committee where you might stop one guy, but another guy might get you. Right. And they all have a hundred yards. They all each 
have the running backs have a 100-yard game, too. It's yeah. not just like over three games. Each one of them has been kind of the featured back for one of the games this year, and they've all rushed for 100 yards. Yeah, so it's going to be it's going to be very interesting to see how they use that run game against Trine, if they mix it up, if they try and fool Trine's defense in terms of who's running the ball out there, if they have a, a two-back set maybe, a three-back set. I don't know. It could be very different because Trine knows that this run game can be strong for Hope, but who's running the ball? We'll find out. That's right. All right, before we get to our high school football playoff, or not playoff, picks and playoff. Playoffs are project, away. <laughs> projection and, uh, and uh, predictions here. Uh, wanted to take one second to talk a little bit about the Hope Calvin volleyball match that was on Saturday. Um, this was a typical Hope Calvin rivalry match. There was over 2,000 people there, which made for a very exciting and electric atmosphere. A very intimate um, like atmosphere as well. I mean, that... It was dark and yeah, the people the were crowds right on oh, top was of good. Them. And Hope was, came in ranked 13th, and yes. Calvin was number one. Uh, they have a ton of their players back from, you know, their dynasty basically still. And they won the first. Calvin won the first two sets. The second one was really close. Um, the first set was pretty obviously Calvin's. Yeah, and the then. Other. Hope just kind of flipped the switch near the end of the second set, caught back, clawed back into it, and lost the second set 25-23, which is as close as you they get. Looked, they looked at it. Like and they started looking set. good. And then down two sets to none, they won the next two sets to force a fifth set, yeah. which is incredible on the road at number at the number one team's place with 2,000 people, Most of, a lot of them, their fans, their loud student section, which was really loud. They were And there was incredible. a ton of them. Um which was good to see. I mean, could have probably could have been some more Hope students there, but there sure. were not. Um, but it was still a very exciting uh, atmosphere. And just, it's been a while. It's been five or six, maybe six or seven times since their rivalry has gone five sets. Calvin's kind of had their way, except for the one MIAA championship game that Courtney Van Housen guaranteed that Hope would win, and then they did in five. Um, but... It was good to see that rivalry get back to where it is. And Hope did not play well at all They shuff- at the beginning. They shuffled their lineup a few times and found ways to get back into it. And that's good for them in the future, too. If they can hang with the number one team in the country in five sets and not be playing particularly well. At their home court. Yeah. that's. I mean, that shows you that, you know, that Hope can hang with anybody in Division Three, And this is not the same kind of off year like they kind of had ended up having last year um they're back and they're going to be they're going to be a force down the stretch and uh it's going to be interesting i was particularly impressed with the back row in those in those two sets where they won and also the second set where they lost i mean they kind of just turned it on and played very good defense because the the front three for calvin are ridiculously talented they're strong up front and their blocking was incredible yes their blocking i mean it was like every other kill attempt was a block for for calvin um but to have that back row kind of spring up a little bit and and get some life into hope that's where it started and that's where it needs to start the rest of the season for them for sure and the hope soccer team still both unbeaten that's right uh, yeah doing well um (laughs) yeah there we'll talk more about them next week i think um but it's good to see i mean everybody's doing pretty well all right, now the moment you've all been waiting for when I thrash Chris in the picks. You're still up by just two. Just, just two. two. Just two, and uh, that's how it's going to go the rest of the year. 
Um, so, all right. So we'll run through the games real quick. We've got um, Zealandese versus Holland, Holland Christian versus Hamilton, Zealand West versus Unity Christian, West Ottawa versus Wyoming, Saugatuck versus Martin, and Fenville versus Galesburg Augusta. Um, yeah, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna punt them to you and let you give your predictions first. Gladly. Um, We'll start with the Zealand East Holland game. Zealand East uh, defeated Holland Christian last week in a game that was maybe closer than some people thought. Uh, battle of great offenses, um, and then uh, Holland is coming off a, I guess technically an upset, but not really an even battled loss to Hamilton. But it spoiled their homecoming. Uh, what do you What do you think about this matchup, Chris? Well, I. You were at the game last week with Holland Christian Zelenius, and I was at Holland uh, Hamilton. I will say I was uh, surprised that Holland lost going into the game. I wasn't surprised at how they lost, though. Um, they didn't have a healthy Donovan Webb. He was playing kind of uh, banged up a little bit from what I was told. Um, and Hamilton's Tyler Stasowski played out of his mind good, and he played really good against Zelenius the week prior. He's a sophomore running back, and he is he's gonna run you over or he's gonna find speed on the edges and that's what he did he had three touchdowns two were up close i think two and one yard touchdowns and then another one was a catch for like 62 yards or 63 yards um but hamilton played with a purpose and hamilton or in holland kind of just looked a little bit lost early on and, and that's kind of how it's been for holland over the course of the season holland has looked lost and even coach andrew prattley said they don't know how they're starting not starting well enough and they had to do that this week. Against Zealand East, of all teams, you have to start strong. Um, and Zealand East, they were down 21-28 at the half to Holland Christian last week. That, that was a shocking score. And then all of a sudden, they just took off in the second half, which is what you expect from a good team. Uh, for me, this Zealand East wins this game. Um, Holland is not up to par uh, where they need to be. And Zealand East is too strong offensively and defensively. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think Zealand East is the, you know, the, team, the team to beat in the OK Green. And it's going to take you know 100% healthy and 100% locked in to get that and i just and that's even and then you all have to take advantage of them also making either mistakes or whatever that's a lot of things working against holland that all those things have to happen and i just zealese is too strong and defensively they're the team i mean holland runs the ball very well but in a straight kind of running game, Zealand East defense has the weapons defensively to stop uh, stop that. I mean, Webb would have to, you know, obviously make his way to get to the secondary yeah, uh, to use his breakaway speed. Um, and with Zealand East's front, I don't know if that happens. Uh, there's no guarantee that he's that healthy enough times. for this week either. Right. So, I mean, I think that this, I mean, it's Zealand East game to lose. I mean, in this, yeah. in this, in this situation, um, I agree with that for sure. Um, you know, it'd be nice to see a good game like like both games were last week. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, Zealand East is gonna. You know, it's there. It's kind of the conference is in there, and Zealand West, I suppose, their control right now. Um, building up to that epic. Yes. Uh, oh yeah. Zealand Zealand Bird Bowl. Um, all right. Next, Holland Christian at Hamilton. Um, yeah, Holland Christian. Played very well against Zealand East last week. Um, and Hamilton obviously played well enough to beat Holland. Um, I'm waiting for uh, the Hamilton student section. This is me calling them out to have. I'm, I'm just waiting for there to be all these big 
Monsters Inc. signs uh, and have him say Ty Ty Sazowski um, instead of Mike Krasowski. Um <laughs> I just have a feeling that's coming that. at some point because um, every time anyone says Tyler Sazowski, I just think Ty Sazowski and. Uh, <laughs> Um, very clever I, like that. I think that would be kind of funny um, so anyway Holland Christian Hamilton games at Holland Christian this rivalry is you know when we we always kind of compare the Holland Christian triangle of rivals to like Michigan if Holland Christian is Michigan Holland is their Ohio State yes but Hamilton is their Michigan State yeah and it is but on the flip side for Hamilton it's as Michigan State, it's their Michigan, yes. so it's it's a very it's going to be a very it's a very big rivalry. It's kind of like you know uh, Holland Christian has rivals one and one a, yeah. And this is uh, always a really exciting game. Very different kinds of schemes in this game. Uh, Hamilton's got some um, running power and all this kind of stuff, and uh, Holland Christian is a throw just about all the time team. And they both, last week especially, did executed their offenses very well. Um, it'll be really interesting. Holland Christian's def- uh, weakness is run defense, and that's what Hamilton does. And Hamilton's weakness is pass defense, and that's what they do. Yeah. So it's going to be really interesting to see uh, how this one shakes out. But who you got? I wouldn't have expected this. Like two weeks ago, I wouldn't have said it's going to be a close game, but it's going to be a close game. After seeing Hamilton the past couple of weeks and knowing what Holland Christian can do, this is a one score or less uh, final. But I'm taking Holland Christian, and I'm taking them because of how dynamic their passing game is. Wilson Weyerbaugh is like probably like second or third or fourth in the state in passing yards. I mean, he is really good. He has Will Van Weer and Brady Howe, two incredibly good receivers. Hamilton has a great run game. Like I said, Stadowski is, is really good. Ty Stadowski. He's really good. <laughs> And he showed that against and against Holland last week, but I don't think that run game is going to be as dynamic as Holland Christian's pass game is. It's going to be a high scoring affair for sure. And here's the here's the thing too. I think what can kind of get lost with, with a matchup like this is Hamilton can play their best, have their best running offense, march down the field, run people over, have a great great drive, put together a great drive. And score, and then Holland Christian can score on the very next play. Yep, that's the difference, and that's what happened to Zeeland East in the first half, especially last week with Holland Christian. Is that Zeeland East would have these runs where they'd you know they'd run, they'd put together good run, running drives, and then Holland Christian one time scored on the very next play, the next and one time scored two plays later. You know, like the 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 quick drives will add up and it will tire out Hamilton, um, both offensively and defensively. And I think that's going to be the difference. I agree. I, and they're at home. I'm taking Holland Christian in a close one. Cool. All right. And then we've got Zeeland West at Unity Christian. Um, you know, we're talking about two teams that run the wing T, two teams that are going to end up being ranked. Zeeland West is not ranked still, right? They're not. Yeah. That one Unity is, is ranked. Well, they're unbeaten. That's correct. And that's so that changes it a little bit i don't think they're unbeaten after this week though chris i'm taking the ducks i jumped and i jumped the gun and even i like picked, i like your uh, style first there. i think that uh, the ducks run the wing tee a little bit better uh, i kind of use the holland games as a as a litmus test um zealand west absolutely had their way with holland and unity christian barely beat holland back-to-back weeks same scheme 
Um, uh, I like the Ducks. Uh, they, they they could smell that Bird Bowl coming uh, with Zealand East for the, all the marbles, and uh, I think that they get it done. This is where I would say not so fast, but I am on the Ducks bandwagon here. Um, they won last week 22-14 to 14 over Byron Center, a down Byron Center team, but Byron Center is always good. They're always playing good against the Ducks. It's just, at home. It's just normal. It's just going to happen. I don't really consider that a fluke win for the Ducks. That's just another a close win, mm-hmm. and I think the Ducks run the, the wing tee a lot better than Unity Christian does, and I think the Ducks win this game for sure. by at least a touchdown. It'll be a close game, but by at least a touchdown. All right. And moving on, we got Wyoming at West Ottawa. I think that this is a pretty, uh, on paper at least, a pretty easy win for West Ottawa. Um, they have, you know, kind of they kind of bounce back from their shellacking a couple weeks ago. They got right of the ship. Things are looking good for them, and they're playing. You know, they're playing a Wyoming team that uh, that Holland beat in Week One, and Holland didn't even play very very well. Yeah, and uh, I think so. I think West Ottawa gets this one done pretty easily. Yeah, I'm with you. West Ottawa last week they they looked decent uh obviously better than their, their loss against east kentwood uh 41 26 but yeah they're on the right track now it looks like um and having a wyoming team that's one and four that hasn't had a winning record since 2016 um west auto wins this one pretty handily all right and we got saugatuck at martin this could be kind of interesting saugatuck you know has been playing very well they uh you know were a two-point conversion and double overtime away from being undefeated right now um Martin's playing really well. Martin played Fenville tough. Yeah, right? 20 to I mean, 18 win for Fenville last week. We're going to have So, I mean, and this Sagatuck's on the road. This is, I mean, this is one of the games that could be a danger game for Sagatuck, um, but I still think that they've got enough in the tank to uh, to win on the road. It's hard to bet against them when Brad Dunn's scoring four or five touchdowns a game, and it's not just a one-man show either. He happens to be the one getting the ball into the end zone but their offensive line is really good and uh they their defense has been able to step up at uh the right times and normally again i'd probably disagree with you because martin has kept games close last week against fenville and, and kind of throughout the season but yeah brad brad dunn he is uh really good he, he could take this game over by himself and i think that's what he does i think that's what the difference will be in this game even on the road uh, it's a tough game, another tough game for Sagatuck, but uh, they pull this one out thanks to Brad Dunn's uh, couple touchdowns late. All right, and then we got Fenville, the last game. Fenville making their long trip to Galesburg, Augusta. Um, that is a long trip um, for a you know for a game that's not early in the season across the state, you know, or whatever. That's a really long trip down to the border. Um, yeah, what do you what do you think about this one? Well, Fenville has won some close games this year, um, including last week and the week before. Galesburg Augusta is one of four this season uh, to Fenville's four and, four and one. So <laughs> I think it's pretty obvious. Uh, Fenville gets this one done without with with pretty much ease uh, on the road, and they're five and one, and they'll be one win away from qualifying for a playoff spot. And if these play out the way we're talking here, then Zeeland East would also be end up five and one after this week, so and West Ottawa and West Ottawa and Saugatuck. And Sogatuck has will all be one win away, and Holland Christian would be two wins away or three, depending on how this rivalry goes. This that's week. right. But uh, this this could be really interesting, and I still think that no one's out of it. I mean, if Holland can pull this upset, I think that will get them into the playoffs if they end up five and four. Oh, certainly, yeah. Um, and I think that uh, 
you know, Hamilton's in that position too. If they can beat Holland Christian and pull one more upset, they could be in that position too. I think anybody that's in the green that's five and four is getting an at large. They should um, with how good this conference is and, and just the playoff points that that brings with it. Um, West Otto possibly could get in at a five and four. I don't think they'll need to, um, but uh, yeah, I don't think, and I don't think there's any worry unless something major happens that Saga Tuck and Fenville won't get to six wins right. the way they're playing. So, um, but that's that's still we're looking at one, two, three, four, five, five, and probably six playoff teams out of our eight teams, yeah, at least, and it could be seven. I don't think it could be eight just based because they all have to play each other. Yeah. Um, but but would that possible seventh team be Holland or Hamilton? Who knows? I mean, they got time to figure it out. I think um, it happened. And that gives us plenty of weeks to come up with all the different scenarios and, and tackle oh, yeah. all those. Um, but, uh, yeah, those so those are our picks this week. We've got... Uh, want to talk another, we we've been trying to highlight a, one player that's kind of surprised us um or impressed us the most uh in the last week uh, the last couple of weeks uh Chris who do you, who would you uh who would you say this week Well it's pretty obvious for me is Tyler Sozowski I mean three touchdowns Ty against Sizowski. against <laughs> against Holland uh, but it wasn't just his touchdowns against Holland it was his work against Zealand East 2 weeks ago and while he didn't score against a really good Zealand East team, he showed that he had flashes of good runs that could have scored if not for the dominance of the Chicks' defense. Um, but having three touchdowns, two run, and one catch, and having that versatility as a sophomore, by the way, as a sophomore, right, is a great start to his career as a varsity player. And in a couple of years, I don't, I don't doubt that he'll have some colleges looking at him. He's probably already has his colleges looking at him right now. Sounds good. Sounds good for me. I'm gonna go this week with Brady Howe. Um, they, uh, he's the Holland Christian receiver. They they played fantastic. Wilson Wirebaugh, the quarterback for Holland Christian, threw a lot of touchdown passes against Zealand East, and it was impressive because Will Will Van Weeren, their kind of big big target receiver, um, you know, maybe their go to receiver, still a little ginger after his injury, and uh, he did not play. A ton against Zealand East, and they were still that close. And Brady Howe was making all kinds of plays, and also kind of getting this team fired up. He's kind of become that emotional leader that mm-hmm. the Maroons need, and I think that's one of the biggest differences between last year and this year. And that was that was really really good to see um, see the Maroons have that, and also see them hang with the Chicks. Now I do have to follow that up by saying even though there are players that we've talked about in the past gabe taylor and josh fusco each rushed for 200 plus yards in the same game that's that's uh that's incredible not easy to do no it's not easy to do and that's kind of how this ended up as they you know the holland christian passed their way to some scores and zealand east pounded the run and kept running and kept running until they broke one and they just seemed to always come up with one to break and Mm -hmm. Man, 200. I mean, it was legitimate, too. You know, sometimes you look at some stats and go, did they really? Yes, they really did. I mean, they were running all over the place. So, um, yeah, kudos to those guys. And shout out to the Chicks offensive line because they're the ones that made that happen, too. And uh, that was was really incredible to see. So, um, So, yeah, check out some games this week. If you're not doing anything on Saturday, go to Hope Trine. 
versus trying at Ray and Sue Smith Stadium. If you have things, if you have plans, break them. Go to trying at Hope. This is going to be the biggest game of the season. It's probably the biggest home football game they've had in three, four years. At least, at least three years that I've been around. Yeah, all so that's what's that would be in all of Sturzma's. Yeah, this is the biggest, this is his co- game. biggest in Coach Pete Sturzma's career as the head coach at Hope. Um, if there was ever a time to go, this is the time to go. Yeah, um, yeah, and then we'll have plenty of analysis in our next week podcast about that. Uh, we'll talk about some uh, possible playoff uh, yeah, scenario, there'll, scenarios. There'll be, some, there'll be some teams on the verge of that. We'll try to get into some more hope soccer stuff and some other sports too, um, and we'll see what happens with those Lions. We'll see. So. Um, for Chris Adarazny, I'm Dan Diodana. Thanks for listening and uh, tune in next week.